Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Good evening, everybody. I am Claire Maxed. It's World Ginger Running. We're at 6.30 p.m. Um, on a Wednesday night. So that means we are live with a very special guest. So tonight we have super talented fell and mountain runner and co-founder of Trees Not Teas. It's Jim Mann. Woo! Good evening. <laughs> hey, Jim. How are you? How have you been? Is it as hot with you as it is here? Um, it's nice up here. Um, I'm way up, way up north of Scotland, so it doesn't get really hot, but but it's pretty warm. It must be mid twenties and lovely sunny days. So yeah, no complaints. Brilliant. That's fantastic. Um, so it's great to have you on tonight. Um, I haven't seen you for a couple of years since the Cape Bath Ultra, um, which you came second. It's absolutely fantastic. So we are going to talk a little bit about um, who you are as a runner, and then we're going to go on to talk about what we're here to talk about tonight, which is trees not teas um which you have co-founded recently um but first i just wanted to set the scene a bit so um you have set lots of records a couple of which have recently been broken so we have got a question about um your feelings around those um and but yes basically you won the dragon's back race you've had many podium places on multi-day races like cape bath ultra you've i think still got the spine challenger record from 2019 is that right yeah i think so this this yeah no one's got too close to that one yet but i'm sure someone will yeah eventually yeah 22 hours and 53 minutes to beat so if anybody wants a wants a challenge um next winter um and then a couple of records i do want to mention um you had the winter bob graham record um until just recently um 2019 kim collison um took that one and then really really recently the monroe's 24 hour record sasha chaplin's just really recently taken that record um, climbed another couple of Munros in that 24-hour time period there. And I've got a question from Steve Chilton, whose book launch I'm doing next week. And he wants to know, um, does Jim mind if his records are broken um, or does he feel like he wants to go at them again? How does it make you feel? Oh, that's a weird question because I think sometimes sometimes it, you, 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 you feel like you want to go back and have another go. And particularly the Monroe's one, I would quite like to go back to because um, I, I knew there were a couple more on that route. I knew I'd got some time left on the clock and, and, and Sasha's obviously moved it on and great to him for doing that. And, and it actually feels good because it puts the pressure back on to, onto me and makes me think about that again when it was kind of out of my mind. But then some of the winter ones, so the other one that went last winter was actually Paddy Buckley winter record as well, Damien Hall snuck underneath that. Um, and I don't really feel inclined on those winter ones to go back. I kind of think I've had my I've had my fun on those ones. But then, yeah. So, so sometimes it's different. I don't think it's always the same. Um, I love I love people going after the records. I've always said happy to support anybody chasing any record, whether it's mine or someone else's. Um, and and I mean that. And, and I've, I've done it before supporting people. Um, and 
Um, yeah, it's just part of the sport. Ultimately, it's on the fells, it's big days out with friends, having fun in the mountains. And yes, chasing records is part of that. Um, but, but it's just a bit of fun. It's not life and death, is it? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's not quite as serious as Tees for Trees, is it? So, um, yeah. So, okay. So that answers Steve Chilton's question, um, and he was also telling me um, uh, about your training. And he was saying that he considers you to have, um, after interviewing you a couple of times for his books, he considers you to have a bit more of a serious, kind of more scientific approach to foul running training. Whereas in the past, foul running training's been a bit like oh, we just pop out and do a bimble and come back. Um, so do you agree with that? Um, do, you, do you apply a bit more science to your fell running training, would you say? Um, I, 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 think, I think for the long, the long mountain stuff, I perhaps did, um, but uh, things have moved a lot in the last few years. Um, you've got lots of you know, the people at the top of, of the, on the fells now are, are serious, really serious runners. And I think they always were serious runners. They just perhaps didn't didn't try and apply some of the the sciences there. I, I think that's changed now. I, 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 you know, you look at um, the, the the lengths that Damien Hall goes to or Kim goes to. Mm. They're they're serious athletes. Same with Sasha. You know, he's a great athlete and and, and trains very very hard and trains both some training with coaches or our coaches and uh, some of my coaches and have a coach. Mm. And, and I think it's, uh, yeah, I think that's just part of the nature of the fells getting closer to the mountain running and, and, and ultras and trail coming together. It's all sort of um, a case of you, you just can't, can't get away with it. Um, yeah. There was some, you know, even the guys who say they just, go out for a bimble they weren't just going out for a bimble yeah I know they were yeah serious runners yeah it, yeah like Billy Bland back in the day he was well known for all of his training wasn't he so you can't say he wasn't serious about it yeah I think it yeah. was sort of maybe an anecdotal kind of playing it down rather than not being serious about it maybe well yeah there is a science element I think because you know if you look at how hard someone like Billy Bland trained you, 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 there is a question of could he have been better if he'd had a more scientific approach to that same level of training? Um, but but yeah, no question about how hard the guys worked. And, yeah. And yeah. And, um, and lots, when... Lots of people putting a lot of time and effort. Yeah, like Jasmine getting up at five o'clock in the morning to train before doing family things. Yeah, Nikki Spinks and all her like really rigorous training schedules and just going out for really long hard days. Yeah, you can't say that no one's been training um, with, it, with it seriously. Um, but yeah, the scientific approach and, you know, as just human beings, we know more and more about the way the body works now compared to the 1970s and 80s. So it would make sense to incorporate that. Yeah. Um, and one thing, um, just before we get on to the Tees Not Trees um, conversation, um, when I spoke to you at the Dragon's Back race, um, I think it was the year that you won, um, 2015, possibly, um, you said you'd been working with a coach to do some plyometrics, um, and that had given you an advantage on the multi-days especially. Could you just, just tell us a little bit about that? Because I'm not sure that everybody who runs would necessarily think to do plyometric training or maybe doesn't even know what it is. Yeah, so so, so I did, the focus was very much on lots of um, diverse diverse training. I, I've always been a high mileage runner. I'm not I'm not a naturally talented runner. I have to work really hard to, to get to a, a good level. And um, as part of trying to get that sort of next little bit, um, I did a lot of strength and conditioning work and, and we've worked some biometrics into that. And and I think the it, it feeds back into your form. It feeds back into your strength. And that does two things in particular, I think. One is it, it builds your injury um, resistance, but it also, I think, allows you to, uh, and, and this is anecdotal, I, I don't have any real evidence for this, but it, it, it seems to allow you to go um, further without tiring as much, um, and that might be the strength and it might be the same, all the same, you know, different symptoms of the same thing, but certainly uh, it, 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 
it made me feel stronger later on in in long days and over multi days. Um, but but it, perhaps it's more the strength. Perhaps it was just the level of training. It's difficult to say, and this is where it's quite hard to isolate things scientifically to give you that idea of what is really working for you and and what is just makes you feel good. And that can be just as important. Yeah, yeah, the psychological act can really be important as well. Um, yeah, so when we, when we met, you said that it had helped your recovery, you thought, just doing that kind of um, explosive movements. You felt like it hadn't necessarily sped you up, but it helped your recovery. Yeah, yeah. And it's going day after day, um, the strain on your body on, on, you know, ultras day after day, as, as you know, you, you'll have found with some of the long, long stuff you've done, it, it, it's the cumulative damage. It's not just the, you know, just because you can get through two, three days, four days, it, it's all building up and it's getting, you know, it's how, how, how are you on day four or day five? That's actually the, the real test. Yeah, definitely. Most definitely. And on day four, sorry, I'm just going to turn this thing off that I think is making a noise. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, day four is definitely my limit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um and so i'm interested obviously um nothing's been happening recently um but uh what's next for you will you be helping john kelly with his grand round do you reckon um is that what you're going to be up to next um, i'm i'm hoping to pop out and see john when he comes up up this end of the country um so yeah i'd like to get out on the ramsey round with him for a bit yeah um, and i'll probably um Go and meet Dan Lawson in the next couple of days, who's in the middle of his um, his job call attempt. Oh um, yeah, the Lands End to uh, well, jo John O'Groats to Lands End, yeah. yeah. Uh, Lands End to John O'Groats in his case, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's he's now into Scotland, I think today. Yeah. Um, or maybe even yesterday, he's just starting to moving across to Edinburgh, I think today. So he's, he's going to start heading up the A9. So when he gets a bit further, a bit further up the A9, I'll go in there and. and spend a few hours with him and uh, trundle up there and do a bit of bit of road running which i'm not not much looking yeah, forward to but, yeah um, especially when it's really hot but maybe it's not quite so hot up there to make the tarmac stick to your trainers or anything hopefully not, hopefully <laughs> not yeah. um, so where is it that you live are you near inverness or somewhere that far, far north uh, yeah south southwest of inverness so mm. you've got to come up to inverness and then back down um we're we're in strathfarrah um, I might get an intrusion here. I think there's a toddler coming. To oh, um, so bless! Apologies if he barges in. Um, <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, we're we're, we're in Strathfarrow, which is beautiful, beautiful glen, um, middle of nowhere. It's fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, it sounds a lovely place to to live and to train as well. Um, and we've got a lot of love for you on the live chat here as well tonight, Jim. So I'm just going to read out a few comments to you so you can get a feel for everybody who's listening. Um, so just uh, a few of these. Uh, Philip Haddock says, hi. Um, Nigel Barnett says, hi, Jim. Hi, Claire. Hi, everyone. Um, Sue Marsh is watching from a not very sunny Washington state. So we've got some global listeners. Wow. Um, that running guy says hi everyone. Um, guy says hi, excited for this one. Um, and Phil wants to know. Um, he's just listened to the strength training uh, advice that you gave, and he said, "How many times a week would you do the strength training, please?" <laughs> oh, that's that's difficult because I was told I wasn't doing it doing it right. But I, I do strength. I'm, I'm not at the moment, but I, when I'm training for something big, I'll, I'll do strength, specific strength on a daily basis um, with a, an actual sort of strength across everything twice a week. Um, so an hour session with a coach twice a week is what I was doing. Um, on, But I will also do daily things to add specific muscle groups that um, I'm, I'm working on, uh, things like quad strength or, um, or calf strength for, for big events like the, the dragon's back for example yeah um, and i'll do do a reasonable load of, of, of very specific stuff daily basis on a daily basis yeah again trying to build up that resistance for for going day after day mm -hmm. yeah um how do you keep motivated for it is it something that just comes easily to you because i just i know that i should do 10 minutes that marcus scottney told me to do and he's put a video on youtube and i really should do it um but i just don't do you just do it? Like, 
do you are you just the kind of person that goes right I've got to do it so I'll do it um, yeah when 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 I'm got something in my sights um, I'll, I'll be quite we're, we're very disciplined um, and it's quite often I, I work it into my daily routine to try and build it into to a habit and 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 my daily routines all over the place because of the, the type of work I do so it'll often be that um, I won't go to bed until I've done my strength training and that might and that sometimes means I'm, I'm getting ready for bed and it's like strength training's not been done do my strength training and then I'll do the same on the morning and it'll be worked into something like I, I do silly stuff as well like my squats are often done or heel raises are done whilst I'm in the shower oh. and whilst I'm brushing my teeth and things like that so to I don't have a lot of time to spare, so I work it into what I'm already doing. So you know you're going to brush your teeth twice a day, so okay, heel raises whilst brushing your teeth, that's absolutely fine, I can do that. Yeah, um, no, that's and, great, uh, I love that, that's a really yeah, good tip actually. Like yeah, no, I started with a wobble board, so I was trying to get better balance, and um, I, I got a wobble board, and, and, and it was originally two legs, and it became one leg, but I, I took some brushing my teeth on the wobble board because um, it just gave me that. It, it fits it into your daily structure. It fits it into your sort of your existing routine. So if you look at the things you already automatically do, you can do it. I used to get the train on a commute to work, and I would do um, hill races on the train, which <laughs> is just ridiculous. You know, I never sat down on the train. I always went to the end of the corridor, wait till no one's looking, and then did my hill races. <laughs> um, so, I, I, yeah, if you can work it into your existing routine, because that's how you build a habit. So it's a sort of understanding the habit and making it fit with what you do is has been always been important to me, um, and 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 that's that's worked for getting those extra bits that yeah, you just, it's just hard it's hard to do otherwise. Yeah, it's hard to carve out that actual time to do it. So yeah, that's fantastic. Oh, that's a really good tip. I, I love that. Um, and uh, and with that, we should move on to talk about what you do, which um is trees not teas. But you have another job as well. It's not your main job, is it? No, this is this is my this is my main job. Oh, this um, is your main so, job now, yeah. Yeah, so so um, it well, it's part trees not teas is part of the Future Forest Company, and and basically a few years ago, I, I got the opportunity to decide what I wanted to do, and was was um, looking at what, what I wanted to do next. I've always had my own businesses, and. Um, was fortunate to have a bit of time and, and to have a bit of income from some of the things. And, and that gave me a chance to actually look at what, what, what was important to me and what I want to do. And going way back, I have a degree in ecology, which I've never used. Um, oh. And it gave me the motivation to, to actually climate change is the big thing that I wanted to be tackling. And um, started looking at how we could find models that would enable us to rapidly reforest areas of the UK, in particular the uplands where I spend a huge amount of time and, and a lot of people don't even realize that they should be forested environments. They, the grazed out hilltops are, 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 are literally that, they're grazed out by sheep um, mm -hmm. and that prevents tree seedlings growing and eventually over a period of 50 to 100 years the existing trees die off and disappear and then you end up with, a, with the landscape that we're all familiar with and, and actually we're quite attached to in a lot of cases. Um, but we've got this, this real big issue coming with climate change and starting to get worse and worse. And um, I wanted to, to find out what, what can I do? What can I actually make happen? And how, how, do, how do we reforest in these places and, and take carbon out of the atmosphere? Oh. And that led on to step by step onto where we are today. Oh, fantastic. That's a, that's a great story. So, um, so what exactly is the trees not teas part of it then? Um, uh, just tell me a little bit about that for anybody who's not come across it so, before. Do you know Dan Lawson at um, Rewind Clothing? Yeah. Who's doing the Land's End John and Groves at the moment, yeah. So, yeah, I know um, him, but not everybody who's listening will know him. Okay, so so Dan's a, a phenomenal athlete, um, GB ultra runner, um, and he set up a charity called Rewind Clothing a few years ago, and basically what they do is they will take your old running kit and his motivation for it was to stop all this waste. And we've got a huge amount of waste in, 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 in sports where we produce lots of fashionable stuff that 
people wear just a few times or for a season and then they need the next shiny bit and, and we're all you know we're all susceptible to this in terms of i want that piece of kit that's new and fancy and just a little bit better or a different color than last year's or whatever it might be we're hardwired for that to be a motivation for us because the marketing guys have done, and girls have done a great job on it and 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 so he was on and he always harps on about race t-shirts and they get thousands and thousands of race t-shirts back. But the thing that amazed me about it was that they were unopened, they're never worn. And there's a big problem with that in that the amount of water that goes into a t-shirt is about two and a half years worth of water for a human being. So you have two and a half years worth of water into that t-shirt, you've got um, a lot of CO2 in terms of the energy requirement. If you try and look at the where the t-shirts are made, you'll find there's a trail of four or five countries. That's before it arrives in the UK to be printed up for a race and then distributed to somebody who then doesn't wear it and doesn't even want it. <laughs> and this was his bugbear and we were looking at um, tree planting and sponsored tree planting and how we could encourage people to get more involved. And we just put the two together. I just, I just took the view, well, what if we offer race organizers the chance to put a tree in the ground for those people who don't want or need that t-shirt. And I've got lots of race t-shirts. I'd already sent a box to Dan, which was partly what sparked the conversation um, of my old race t-shirts. And some of those have never been worn, you know, and, and, and it's often hard to refuse them mm. because they're, they're given to you in a goodie bag and there's all sorts of stuff in there that you might or might not want, but it's also got your race number in, so you've got to take that bag. Yeah, you can't and just be rifling through it going, oh, no, don't, no, don't want that, don't want that. They would just look at you in horror, wouldn't they? <laughs> well, I, well, I do. I do that. And, and I got <laughs> yeah. to the point of actually doing that and handing them back to race organisers, and it's not always a not yeah. always a positive experience, you know, um, when when you're handing it back and saying, well, why, why don't you want my race T-shirts? Well, it's... <laughs> I don't need it. And I've got, I've got loads. Like, yeah, but you pay for it. It doesn't matter. You need to understand that ultimately, that not everybody wants your race T-shirt. Sometimes we're there to get UTMB points. Sometimes we're there because we just can't bear to do that forty-mile training when it's easier to enter a race where you're committed to doing it. Yeah. And um, but yeah, so so we we sort of tried to find this model that meant that the people that really want a T-shirt, and I think in every single race, somebody's that's a major achievement for somebody. You know, I've got my race t-shirts that I love and, and wear. I've got a UTMB one, I've got Dragon's Back one, I've got some Hardmores ones which the first ultras I did and things like this. And, and I love those t-shirts and they're, they're great. But they don't wear out. I wear Helly Hansen's that I wore when I was 15. You know, they're, they're, they're very old now. And so you look at it and go, I don't need more of these. And, and there's lots of people in every race that don't need that t-shirt. So. Um, we just wanted to give an option, not take it away from people, not take the achievement away, not stop people who really want that t-shirt and are going to wear that t-shirt lots and lots from having it, but just give them people an option to do something that's environmentally positive versus something that's environmentally detrimental. Yes. And um, that's basically what we created and, and we tried to make it very easy for race organisers. So they just have another option where you'd normally choose a t-shirt size you choose that you'd rather have a, a tree planted instead. Yeah. And race organisers donate to us the cost of the T-shirt. So it doesn't cost the race organisers anything, mm -hmm. and they can plan ahead. So there's no cost to the race organiser, and the customer that chooses the T-shirt, sorry, the tree instead of the T-shirt, um, will get a certificate showing them where the tree is, picture of their baby tree, and they can go and visit that tree if they want to. Oh. And um, that's emailed out to them. Do they have a little name a tag on the tree? Or like a number they don't or have something? A name tag on the tree. No. <laughs> no, no, no. But you can find it from the What Three Words address. So oh, it's, okay. It's got a geolocation yeah. on it. So, so it is you, an actual you, tree. <laughs> it's not just in that forest yeah. somewhere. It's, you can go and visit your no, tree. It's an actual, actual that is specific great, tree. Isn't it? We, take a, we take a picture of every tree we plant. Yeah. And it's we not assign just a generic it tree. To a what Three Words location. Yeah. So I guess it does have a name. If it's, you know, you could. Because yeah. the name is the what three words location, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you've covered that because I've just, um, whilst you were talking, I was just popping up um, a picture of, I think it, it might be Dan's uh, garage, and there's uh, boxes and boxes of T-shirts, and the one on the top in a see-through box is uh, is just packaged in its cellophane wrapper, so you can see that that person didn't even want the T-shirt, didn't wear
wear the t-shirt. Um, and I'm glad you've explained that because um, some I've put this to my patrons, the most loyal supporters of the channel, and they, they get to ask questions preferentially. Um, and, and some of them were, were, I think they thought that it was only trees and not any t-shirts and but we've we've had a lot of love for the t-shirts so um peter savage says just to be controversial i like getting t-shirts and i wear them until they're unwearable so he he's very um he, he's very climate savvy anyway i know peter is um but yeah he's just saying uh yeah it's fine if you get a t-shirt and you wear it forever um, and then Chloe and, says, and we, don't, "We don't want to stop that at all. Yeah. We're not against that in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. We don't want to make him feel guilty for doing that or anything like that." Yeah, yeah. You just want to give the people who don't want a t-shirt an option to not have a t-shirt, and it's yes. like a nice eco-friendly option. Um, yeah, because Chloe said she she really loves her marathon tees and her ultra tees, uh, but she doesn't want like five k or ten k tees. So it's like. It, like you said, you like yeah. your dragon's back tees and, and the hardmores, some of them. Um, and uh, yeah, she says uh, if she was given the option to plant a tree and still get a medal, then she thinks she would go for it. Um, and she says she thinks this option's coming up in the hardmores races, um, of which she's doing loads. So I think she might go for the tree option in a couple of those. So that's cool. And race organisers are offering that as well. We do make that option available where people can plant a tree as well as have the t-shirt and, and quite a lot of people are, are choosing that so yeah. we're typically seeing anything between 20% of all entrants and the highest we've had is over 60% of entrants in a race choosing the tree over the t-shirt so yeah, I, and I hear it from race organizers who say no actually people love our t-shirts and want our t-shirts I can tell them categorically 20% at least yeah. of all their entrants do not want your T-shirt, and, <laughs> and you're creating 20% waste. So I'm sorry to sorry to break that to, to race organisers, but that's the case. Yeah. Oh, I've got a controversial question. Can you get a T-shirt with a picture of your tree on it? Uh, not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> or or a T-shirt with the trees not tees logo on it. That would be ironic, wouldn't it? No, You'll have to do we're badges. Never doing that. You'll have to do a badge that you just that. wear on any T-shirt. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so one of the one of the races, um, I think it might be Cardiff Marathon. Um, they do um, they they do they hand the t-shirts out at the end, and they said the problem they've got was how do we do that if if people are you know if we're just handing them out at the end, how do we know? And they came up with this great solution where they're actually printing a tree on the number of ah. the people that have chosen a tree, uh -huh. and then they don't get a t-shirt at the end. Yeah, but it identifies them, and it also says you know like I'm, I'm an eco eco-friendly person who's running the marathon. So oh. it's a really good solution they've come up with, which sounds like a lot of other races. There. How do now. they know how many to order then? Or, or do they just bulk order one size fits all kind of thing? No, no, so they so, yeah, oh, sorry, they, they, they ask you for your size. So what a lot of these races do is they ask you for your size on their form and they just, they, they tend to over order slightly and hand them out to finishers. Yeah. But because they already know X, percentage you're going oh. to now have a tree instead yeah. they reduce all of their orders the, the, the size orders accordingly ah. um, so they're, they're still going to have you know when they're handing out at the end they're trying to do it for efficiency and they often end up with waste regardless yeah and but but at least it's less race less waste because they know a certain number of people just aren't going to be collecting yeah t-shirts again yeah well, we've got some opinions coming on the live chat, some some nice uh, opinions here. So Guy says, what a lovely idea. I don't like race t-shirts or metal, but I would love to plant a tree instead. So uh, there we go. And then um, uh, he has also said, I should do this for my race next year. Um, and I did actually write that in the YouTube description. I'll, I'll have to chat with you another time about um, offering that. Because we're not offering t-shirts, but I thought, well, you know, if people want a tea a tree then great they can add that in that'd be wonderful yeah um and uh yeah um solid midpacker says he prefers buying um buying his t-shirts as he like prefers the one with a zip you know like a technical t-shirt with a zip okay. um and and he says that the race t-shirts are generally a bit rubbish um and they don't fit and they also um he says they stink um i think that's probably after a few wears, you know, like if they don't have that polygene treatment in them, they can start to pong quite quickly, can't they? 
So yeah, um, but then we have other people like Sue, who says she has split views on the t-shirts too. She says she's got loads of technical race t-shirts and she wears them for her daily runs and like everything. Um, she doesn't wear the cotton race t-shirts and the medals just go on the wall. So she says that having a choice would be a really good way to go as she'd happily pay a couple more dollars for a technical t-shirt, but not a medal. Um, but she, um, I wonder what your thoughts are on this, Jim, as well. She She's talking here about um, she wants to see more races go cut-free um, as the amount oh, yeah. of non-recyclable waste generated by those single-use cups in, and bottles is really awful. I remember I was on the 10 mile, a 10-mile race, the Derby 10, and I got given like a bottle of water, which was like half as big as this, at about seven miles and I, I just couldn't drink it all and I was like what that's ridiculous and people were t opening them taking like two sips and then just throwing them on the floor and I just thought oh what a waste this is like a huge bottle even a small bottle yeah that was that was not a good day <laughs> no there's there's no excuse for that now there, there are there's some good solutions and um, they are slightly more expensive some of your vegware solutions and, and, and things like that I've just you know, it's particularly, and I think the trails have led the way here, where mm. um, a lot of the, the trail races are, are are probably people are trying to spend time in nature and are probably very um, ecologically aware. And I think that that's driven a movement towards change there faster, but is now cascading through the, the main, the, the bigger races. So um, some of the marathons that we deal with, um, I, I was surprised just how far they've come and how the lengths they're going to to try and reduce that waste. Um, I think it's great. I think it's it, it needs to happen, and, and, and I think in most cases it is happening. But this is where the athletes and, and, and we have a duty to, to drive that change. We have to tell race organisers it's not acceptable and, and not just um, look at that plastic cup and drop it on the ground and forget about it afterwards, but actually just, you know, and it doesn't have to be anything big it's just a quick email that says look i was disappointed about this have you have you thought about what you could do differently or, or here's what other races do that's different that we've seen that that means that we could have a lower impact on the environment and and i think you know if there is a small cost to that most of us are prepared to to bear that cost we're, we're spending quite a lot of money entering these races and it's a luxury item and, and if it was to cost us an extra you know, 50 cents or 50p depending on where we are to to get um, recyclable cups or compostable cups rather than plastic we, we pay it I think in most cases and I think we just need to make sure that race organizers understand that and that, that, that we're, we're not happy with this, the status quo yes definitely and there's there's definitely a lot of um, a lot of people who are really interested in this Teas Not Trees um, uh, project that you've set up. Um, so Arlene Maitlock says, what an excellent idea. Um, I already have way too many t-shirts. Some of them are nice, but most of them I would never wear. Um, P.S. Congrats to Jim on the Dragon's Back race. <laughs> That's nice. Thank you. Um, and I'd like to talk a little bit about which races you've got on board, especially because um, one of your race organisers is actually listening right now. Um, Adam Nodwell from Great Owl Running um, says, Tease is a hefty weight off yes. my shoulders. So, yeah, tell us about that and tell us about who who else you've got signed up. And, um, yeah, were there any really hard nuts to crack or, you know, have you had to really campaign or have people actually started coming to you? I, can you still hear me? Oh yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, can you hear me? Okay, that's good. Good. It's, yeah, no, my, my connection's just breaking up a little bit. We're on a satellite Wi-Fi here, so um, up in the middle of nowhere, we don't get <laughs> we don't get normal broadband. So, I mean, it can be a little bit fragile. Yeah. Um, I, I think I got I think I got the question. So, so, um, who, who's on board? So the, the 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 big ones are people like Brighton Marathon, um, who have I think about twenty five thousand people. Um, there are, so there's sort of, uh, I guess a lot of people, I think, my understanding is a lot of people who don't get into London go to Brighton, or maybe shouldn't say that, but <laughs> that's what I've sort of heard from runners, I think. Uh -huh. um, 
So, so we've got some, some sizable um, races like that. And we've got a lot of trail races, I guess, probably because we just quietly sort of put this together and launched it and um, put it a bit out on social media and it's taken on a, a life of its own from there. So um, trail being more my background, I guess the trail race organizers were, were aware quicker and have acted on it more quickly. Um, but it's a, it's a whole spectrum. Some, some races are literally a few hundred people or, or hundred people at a time. And some of them are, are now into tens of thousands of, of runners. And so a, a, com a complete mixture and across all terrain as well. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I really like how it's not just trail races. Like you would expect every trail race to really go for this because of people's interest in the beautiful nature of the outdoors and wanting to protect their, the environment that they love running in. You'd, you'd just think it's a no-brainer for them. Um, but yeah, it's great that you've got such big road races on board. Like imagine if you could get the London Marathon. Like the, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? So... We are we are talking to them at the moment, um, ah. and, and I really hope that they'll move move forward with it. Um, there are they, they, they have difficulties with some of the implementation, and this is one of the things we find where we've tried to make it really easy for race organisers. It is for to, up to a certain size, but the logistics get really quite complicated with something like London or Great North Run. Where they've got, you know, I think Great Northern is sort of seventy, nearly seventy thousand people, or something crazy like that. And um, it, it just from a point of view of how they actually administer it and tell who's got a t-shirt, not got a t-shirt. And then we find races like I'm, I think it's Cardiff. I hope I haven't got that wrong, but I think it's Cardiff who've done the the tree on the on the um, actual number. And and so sometimes. It's, we, we need race organisers sometimes to solve the logistical issues for us. Mm -hmm. And then we can take that back to other race organisers and say, this is how Cardiff solved it. Can you do this in London or can you do this in Great North Learn or wherever it, it might be to try and um, uh, help them solve the logistical issues. Um, but, but they've got more, more of a challenge. Plus, they're often ordering a year in advance on their T-shirts and, and stock. So, and, and this is one of the things that's terrible about the cancellations this year mm. you know how many t-shirts do the great north run london have in a warehouse somewhere with a date on them that oh. that's never going to be used then oh, yeah, see the light date. Today. Um, oh maybe they should just give them out the following year and just be like oh haha this is an environmentally sound solution <laughs> and you can all like cross it out and put a one on and you know it's like a novelty thing i wouldn't mind doing that <laughs> So Centurion, who um, you, you know the Centurion running, I yeah, think. James, yeah, yeah, James, Elson, yeah, James Elson, yeah, yeah, James, yeah, they do some great races, and they're they're very James is very environmentally driven. In fact, they're one of the first organisers. Yeah, I see they're on the list of people there. Yeah, yeah, they did North Downs Way this this last weekend. Yeah, they've just started up again, haven't they? Exciting. Yeah, and um, so um, they, uh, what was I going to say, James? James has a policy where they've already taken the race, the dates off the t-shirts. Yeah. So you get a finisher's t-shirt and, and then it means he can roll the stock over to the next year and he's very open about this mm. and it's an environmental move mm. because he doesn't want to waste the t-shirts. Yeah. Um, so um, by taking dates off things, he, he just says this is a no-brainer for race organisers. He, he can't believe that race organisers still put dates on stuff because it just makes it waste if it's not used that year it's, it's gone. Yeah. Um, so there's little changes like that that people yeah. take a while to, to do. Yeah. I suppose it's sometimes an institution, isn't it? Like doing a race in a certain year and, you know, like your class of so-and-so. Um, so some of the bigger races might still like to do the whole date thing. But, uh, yeah, um, to get away from it from a, for an environmental point of view, Maybe there should be a bit where you sort of embroider your year on if you want it on, like a little, there should be a space for it, or you could iron it on or something like that, like yourself, if you wanted it there. That would be fun. Or a little badge or yeah. something, you know, a little that, badge. that can be, yeah. yeah. 
something there's, like that. There's other ways of doing these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. Um, I've got a question on the live chat um, about races and people who might be interested. So Sue Marsh, is uh, she's watching from the USA. Um, she says, is um, Tees Not Trees working with non-UK races at all? Um, because she's guessing that several US-based races would really be interested. Yes, um, the, the issue probably comes down to local planting because all of our planting at the moment is in the UK and um, often people want to, uh, to, there's a kind of a local element to it I think where races want to plant in the same territory. We, we would very happily plant trees for, for races in the US um, but at the moment we don't have a, a planting site in, in the US to plant on but we would happily plant trees in, in the UK for, for a US race. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe after seeing you setting up this in the UK, somebody in the US will think that is a great idea. We'll set up a, a US version and, you know, they could collaborate with you and, you know, tie in. So maybe it's something for somebody over there to set up and kind of follow your blueprint, sort of like a franchise or something. We'd, we'd be very supportive. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, so Sue, mention it to all those race organisers, and if you're watching from the United States or anywhere in the world, then a bit like Parkrun, get it going everywhere. Let's spread it like a virus. <laughs> um, so, Jim, uh, we just got a few minutes left um, of the live chat, just five more minutes left. Um, uh, what would you say to someone, I'm interested to, uh, to hear what you think about this, what about offering to help because a lot of people travel to races, don't they? Like, oh, UTMB, get on the plane, yada, yada, yada. Would you consider offering to help offset air travel to races with uh, by planting your trees? Is that an extra thing you could offer? So we do actually offer offsets via, through the Future Forest Company. Oh, okay. Um, but um, we, um, so the whole, everything we're doing is, is targeted on, on climate change ultimately. Um, so if it's good for the environment, we, 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 we want to be um, helping it or doing it or, or being involved. Um, offset schemes are a really controversial thing. Um, and, and we've got to be a bit careful with offsets because people, they have been in the past and, and some, to some extent are seen still as a way of an excuse for polluting more. And the, the, the fact of the matter is that we have to reduce our, our emissions, um, and that's everybody. It's, it, I'm not a, a high emitter now, I'm quite careful about a lot of the things I do, but I'm still emitting way more than the globe can cope with, and we need to, to collectively reduce our emissions significantly. So we always sort of say, as long as you're doing the three R's, so reduce, recycle, reuse, do those first when you've got your carbon footprint as low as you can, only then offset and and make sure when you're offsetting that um, it's going into something that's real because there's quite a lot of offset schemes that really aren't very good and um, you, you can't, there's a price point where you can't actually be offsetting the carbon that you claim to be offsetting yeah. and sometimes it's really dodgy, dodgy yeah. schemes when we looked at the market and did our sort of a lot of market research on it and it was partly one of the things that we spent a long time looking at do we want to be offsetting or not because it's it, if it's done badly it's quite controversial so yeah. we measure the carbon in our, our trees every single year if we're going to offer it to an offset and we only sell the actual increase in that year the schemes that forward sell um a hundred years worth of the carbon and so they put a tree in the ground then they sell a hundred years worth of the carbon we're going to hit a tipping point around 2050 where that's our critical point. Is what, what have we reduced our emissions by, by 2050? But we've also got to draw carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. If you're paying forward for, for stuff that's not captured for another 100 years... Yeah, there's going to be a crossover at some point. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. just no good at all. It's just an yeah. excuse to keep polluting more. It's not a... Yeah. And that, that, that yeah. can't happen with but it's changed that mindset. So yeah. I know I'm getting a bit serious now, but but it does. It's yeah, no, just, you know, got, we've got to, to think about it. We've got to think um, about it. And, so, yeah. 
And it's not just trees, is it? Yes. Because I was looking into it because um, I want to, I wanted to run a trail running camp in Chamonix, and then I realised that would mean a lot of people. I would get the train, but a lot of people would fly in for it, like because I've got um, audience members from all over the globe. And I was looking into offsetting, and I found that it could be controversial. And then I looked at um, I was reading an ethical consumer article, and it was saying that it's it's not necessarily all about the trees as well. Some um, companies will donate to um, industries in developing countries to make them more carbon um, neutral so by doing that you can also reduce people's carbon footprint so there's lots of other projects that you can work on that aren't just trees um, to offset carbon um, so yeah I, I just think it would be really useful because I found it a real minefield I just would find it really useful if on your trees not teas website you could put a link saying if you want to do more can go here or write a blog post that says do this, do this, do this, then do this, and just all the things that you can do, because I'm, I'm really keen for teas, not trees, but I want to take that further as well. So for all the people who are already converted, I reckon there's definitely a space for an article on how to do even more and how to, you know, get your carbon down and then offset if, because, like, it'd be, yeah, I could not go to the UTMB ever in my life again, but I, I would kind of like to, at one point in my life, spend just one yeah. trip doing that so it'd be good if I could do it one day but not um, contribute in a bad way to the earth <laughs> I, I agree and, and you know I, I want to race you know in some international races they're, they're it's exciting it's fun and and, 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 I, and, and I want to and then there's part of me that goes on why shouldn't I but on the other half, part of it I'm sort of very aware that we can't keep doing that. So, how do you do? You try and mitigate the damage. How do you travel in in, in a method by a method that, that's, that's less polluting? And um, then, how do you offset what is left? And yeah. it's just trying to get to that mindset, being offset what's left, not just offset so I can do more of it. Mm, um, yeah, it's, it's quite a controversial area, it's a difficult area. And some of those schemes you're talking about, where they reduce the emissions. It's, it's all well and good, but we've already got too much carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. So our focus in the Future Forest Company is moving more and more towards negative emissions technologies. Now, trees are a negative emissions technology in effect, mm. but they cap out after 60 years. You know, once you've established a forest, that's your, you, know, you, you can't go any further with it. Some of the other negative emissions technologies that we're, we're, we're working on at the moment actually take carbon out of the atmosphere permanently and um, that's something that we're going to need to do as a species if we're going to keep an inhabitable planet mm. and so so then you get into a whole different area but, but something that we'll have to we will have to address as a as a species yeah yeah if we want to yeah the planet will carry on it doesn't care whether we live on it or not does it so <laughs> it's us who are the bozos no. <laughs> um so what just a final question what would you say to someone who thinks that doing this as a trail runner as a person who's already quite environmentally friendly minded what would you say to someone who thinks doing this is futile against a backdrop of like massive industry worldwide and global government indifference to environmental protection yeah, so that's um, I think a very weak argument against in, uh, for inaction. Um, so small actions all contribute, and it's all our small actions that have contributed to getting us where we are today into this mess, where we've all made bad choices um, to buy things we didn't need, to buy bigger cars than we need, to overheat our houses. Um, et cetera, et cetera. There's a whole series of small decisions that, that lots of us have made. And yes, you can put that against um, big industry steel manufacturing and things like that, but we all use that steel as well. And we all want those those facilities and that modern life that goes, goes with those things. So we're all partly guilty of that. It needs a, a, a shift in the whole of society for this. And that's not going to be easy. Mm. Um, but you need to make those little changes. Those little changes all count. They're not going to fix it. The trees not trees isn't going to fix. Isn't going to fix global warming or, or climate <laughs> oh, change. Really? But, oh. <laughs> but it's better. It's better than it was even at the start of the year when we launched. Mm. And and it can have an impact. 
And even more important than that, it raises your awareness. Every time somebody sees that on an entry form, they're thinking about the environment. Even if they choose the T-shirt, there's a, there's a moment where the environment's front of mind for them. Mm. And if we can keep the environment front of mind, if people keep thinking about it, they'll just make better choices on, on lots of little things which cumulatively are, are, are a benefit. Um, so I, I, I don't believe little things don't matter. I think, I think lots of little things is, is actually largely how we will uh, start to bring this, this under control. Um, and then we'll need to do big things as well that the governments will lead on, but the more governments see lots of us making little choices and seeing this as something that we demand from our politicians, the more they'll take the big steps that we need them to take and that we can't take as individuals. Um, but, but it starts it, it starts at home and, and you, you we need to put all that, that pressure on them, I think. Yeah, definitely. And I like that um, the little things do matter because I think sometimes you just feel like I'm doing all this stuff, but no one else is or like this you know these other countries aren't or and you you kind of feel a bit like why should i bother so that that's brilliant from you to say the little things do matter i've just popped up a nice little picture to the left there of you uh, planting a tree um in your um tree forest area and there's a, a huge conifer behind you and then you're planting a small tree there and um, what is it all the same type of tree that you plant there no so um we follow um, a planting plan that we have to have approved by, on that site, it's Scottish Natural Heritage. So um, this is the Environment Department of the Scottish Government who will approve our planting plan. We always plant um, very few conifers, so that conifer was already there, so mm -hmm. we, we've left it in place. Um, we generally plant, uh, we always plant native woodland and usually mixed deciduous. Um, so recently we've been planting mainly alder and uh, birch and that's because we're planting at this time of year you wouldn't normally plant trees because it's normally too dry but we've got some very wet ground on that site where we can continue planting in summer um, but only in the very wet areas so you need a tree that can tolerate that very wet conditions and alder and, and downy birch can both tolerate those wet conditions mm. so that's what we've been planting recently um, but it's all as part of a mixed scheme. There'll be there's oak in there, there's um, some Scots pines, there's a few conifers, um, which draw down CO2 quickly, um, but are less wildlife, less quality for the wildlife in in a forest. Um, I'm trying to think what else. And then there's lots of rowan, which provides food. Um, there's some wild cherry, a um, whole spectrum of trees, all all that you would naturally find in. In, in that area, um, but providing wildlife value as well as carbon drawdown services. Yeah, and can people come and volunteer to plant the tree like we can, like we see you doing there? Yes, yeah, we're, we're actively looking for volunteers. That site's oh, near yeah. Glasgow, so it's about 30 minutes outside of Glasgow. And um, we have got another site, another planting site that'll come online um, for the autumn. So we're waiting for final sign-off on all of the planting plans there. That we'll see another 200,000 trees going in. Wow. Again, not that far from Glasgow. And then last week we completed on a third site um, on the um, west coast of Scotland, which uh, has space for, uh, well, it'll take us probably getting towards a million trees in total. We'll have space mm. to plant. So oh, brilliant. We, we, starting to scale this up quite quickly um, yeah. and you know all the support we get from races is what's allowing us to to keep scaling it up quickly and, and plant trees and, and and the more the more we can plant the, the better yeah and, and we've got to do this quickly now yeah you know, it needs tackling fast so. yeah well it's good training isn't it core training planting a tree digging so yeah, it's a good a good thing to do long hard days yeah definitely yeah. i reckon you'll have to start um going branching out into different countries because you'll just run out of tree planting space in the uk <laughs> that's uh, unlikely we've got a bit to go oh, but, really? but yeah it would be nice 
yeah. Yeah, there's, there's plenty of language. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, I want to just end with um, one of my favourite quotes of yours. I've been looking for your Twitter feed over the last few days, and um, one of your my favourite yeah. quotes from you is, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is now. So I think that is um, a fitting... Um, a fitting thing to say to round off the broadcast. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's it. So it's always cited. I think that's a Chinese proverb, but it's, but so many things are. I don't know where it comes from, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. I mean, it's you know the yeah we we, we need to be planting them now, and and every day we don't we we fall a day behind. Um, so um, I, I think it's very important we, we focus on doing this now yeah well now you said that I've um, I bought my husband a small cherry tree for our anniversary last weekend we haven't planted it yet so I'm going to finish the live broadcast and I'm going to dig a hole and I'm going to plant it now so so that I can act on this immediately <laughs> soak it really well fill that hole with water before um, you put it in yeah put it really well. yeah yeah, I'll just keep the hose on it. Um, well, I just want to read out some nice comments that people have put here um, who have enjoyed listening tonight. Um, Philip Haddock, who you answered the question from right at the beginning, he says, um, thanks, Jim, for answering my question. And um, Guy said he would love um, a patch of the logo so he could, like, sew it onto something um, rather than a T-shirt of the logo. Um, and he says, if enough people do small things, it will become a big thing and hopefully change for the good. And Fran 41 says it all starts with the man in the mirror so Michael Jackson knew what he was talking about obviously with climate change so I just want to say a big thank you Jim for coming on tonight it's been absolutely fantastic to hear from you I'm so glad that people can volunteer with the planting of the trees as well because that really makes us feel like we can get involved um, and I hope loads more races sign up soon and thank you for having me and um, look forward to you coming up planting trees. Yeah, well, my sister-in-law lives in Inverness and she actually works for um, the Scottish National Heritage. You might know her, <laughs> Jeanette Hall. Um, there you go. Yeah, so um, yeah, so we should pay her a visit um, and I'll come and plant some trees um, around your area. It's really great to see you, really great to chat to you um, and wish you all the best for the project. Likewise, thank you. Hi, it's Claire here. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. These live chats take place every Wednesday evening at 6.30pm UK time on World Ginger Running YouTube channel. And the link is in the show notes. I just wanted to let you know that you can find this and loads more advice and inspiration and gear tests all about trail and ultra running on my YouTube channel, Wild Ginger Running. There are training tips, advice from elite athletes, top coaches, nutritious recipes, key exercises, injury prevention information, and tons of trail kit reviewed from running packs to poles, waterproofs to head torches, GPS watches, and shoes, 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 and did I mention shoes? I've been going for a few years now, so there's a huge archive of content to help you out with your trail and ultra running. To quickly and easily find the information you need, simply type your query into the Google search box and then write wild ginger running after it. Then Google will show you whatever blog posts or films I have on that topic. Give it a try. And if you appreciate listening and all the information I share on YouTube, you're also very welcome to support me on Patreon, which gets you some additional excellent perks and the chance to win some awesome prizes. For as little as the price of a cup of coffee every month, patrons get discounts, extra films, access to the exclusive Facebook and Strava groups, the chance to ask questions to every live chat guest, plus automatic entry into my monthly competition to win £400 worth of trail and ultra running gear. There are only about 150 patrons, so the odds on a win are way better than the lottery. Interested? Find me at patreon.com slash wildgingerrunning. Thanks for listening, guys. Have fun, enjoy your run, and I'll see you on the trails. You are getting sleepy, very sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. Right, my darling? Yes, dear. You will not toss and turn through the whooshing. You will not throw the mask. You will not dislodge the hose and blast air all about the bedroom. (laughs) 
You will not wake me, your loving husband, who yearns for even a single night of uninterrupted slumber, please? It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. Inspire treats the root cause of sleep apnea inside your body. While you sleep, Inspire keeps your airway clear so you can breathe normally and rest comfortably. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers, you will remember to visit InspireSleep.com to learn more. Inspire, sleep apnea innovation. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at InspireSleep.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.